Hi, and welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Awards podcast, where we talk about movies nominated for MTV Movie Awards in their various categories and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Gregg, a foremost kissing expert. And today we're talking about Best Kiss 2012, the end of an era, kind of. How are you today, Ben? Yeah, I'm doing really, really well. Um, yeah, this um, I kind of had to uh, watch a lot of these movies sort of within the last couple days. I've been pretty busy with work, um, but I was able. Yeah, I was able to get them all all done before. Uh, I was actually watching Breaking Dawn uh, Part Two earlier to or Part One earlier today. Um, Why would you watch Part Two? <laughs> exactly. I didn't get nominated. We don't have plans for that. <laughs> Yeah, but no, how has, uh, how has your week been? Um, it has been, well, yeah, busy. It was, uh, had technically a break from school, but some assignments to do still that I definitely did on time and definitely was not racing down to the last minute on one of them, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah, I'm interested to to get into this because I think this is because this is a year where like when we and we'll go over the stuff that gets nominated but there's like about three different films based on on like books and it does kind of seem like the year that represents kind of like the ya boom before people realized oh actually we don't really care about much of this stuff beyond like twilight and hunger games like yeah the the um What's the name for it? Like the the tween novel, like uh, YA. Uh, oh, what's her? Uh, YA for like young young adults. It's kind oh, of. Oh like. yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. No, there's definitely like a lot of like. There was not a lot of variety this year. Still good movies, but like, yeah, definitely like three like book movies, and then uh, two sort of romance movies that honestly like share the same theme i would say sure i i mean they take very different approaches I would. oh yeah no they're very, they're entirely different movies but like their core message is the same and i guess we'll get into that in a bit yeah i'll say it it's kind of like a year for yeah like kind of some big franchise stuff big yeah then a couple other ones it's definitely not uh you know we'll get to 20, 2013 when we get to twenty. 13 but when you look at that year it's like a wildly diverse in terms of like the kinds of films yeah. that are doing yeah and I've, it's weird I, I like i was talking with my friend um uh about like the movies they were watching he's a really big twilight fan um and like he kind of made the like i was talking to him and he's like oh man ben you i think you had seen like 10 movies total before you started this podcast because it's like you've never seen anything (laughs) Uh, but um but yeah like but surprisingly enough next year i've actually seen uh moonrise kingdom and ted um probably the two farthest apart movies on that list yeah what do you mean they're very similar in tone and quality (laughs) Um, no i I should not say that, but... Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Actually, th- this does look to be an intra- interesting thing, because... And 
We'll get into... I have a lot of theories on why this is the last year a Twilight film gets nominated, despite there being one Twilight one to go. But part of it seems like, after this year, they almost do kind of like, you know... An, I don't want to say an overcorrection, but it does feel like the next couple of years are like them trying to go, Oh, uh, no, no, we're not just like the cr- crazy teen stuff. Look at all this other stuff we have. And... and yeah, they want to try and try and over, yeah, but over correction. Yeah, um, well, come on, teens, you care about Don John, right? Let's <laughs> tease for twenty fourteen. <laughs> also, God, I can't uh, believe we're gonna have to talk about Don John. Like it's you're gonna you're gonna love it, man. <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't wait. I think it's like the only well, one. It's like one of the few movies going forward that like I don't even recognize. <laughs> Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt directed it um, and stars in it. <laughs> wow, he's pulling a garden state. Yeah. <laughs> but before that, we should have enough to talk about this year, so let's get into it. The 2012 MTV Movie Awards were held on June 3rd, 2012, and hosted by Russell Brand, Mr. Get Him to the Greek himself. Um. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, surprisingly, this year we we see another um, the best kiss also won movie of the year, which is really really cool. Even though yeah. the the best performances were owned by the Hunger Games, apparently. Yeah, this was an yeah this was an interesting thing too because like Twilight had been pretty dominant, and that's one of my things is maybe they just saw the writing on the wall where they're like, well, it's not really winning stuff like it used to because. So it gets nominated. Oh, it doesn't even really get. No- oh, it didn't even really get nominated in the acting categories. Maybe they were slowly like, we can start phasing out Twilight. But also, wait, wait one moment. I okay. I, I was looking at it and I saw that um, best male performances had Ryan Gosling from Drive. Um, I could have sworn Drive definitely feels like a not a movie that came out in two thousand eleven. It came that's, out in 2011. That's so weird. I, I definitely thought it came out way earlier. I have very um, clear memories of seeing <laughs> Drive in theaters in the fall of 2011. Oh, man. I still have... I think I still have five movies until I finish out the uh, the RCU. Um, <laughs> now that I've seen Crazy Stupid Love. But I still need to see... Um, oh, what are some other ones? I think I, want, I need to see Only God Forgives is definitely one of them. Um, but yeah, my friend gave me a list, and I'll try and run that down. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that sounds... Only God Forgives is also kind of one of my Gosling gaps, so I don't think I've seen nearly as much Goslings as you have. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely seen quite a bit, and this, this podcast is definitely filling my little gaps, too. But I, I can confirm that, um, with him, that Crazy Stupid Love is more of a movie with Ryan Gosling than it is a Ryan Gosling movie. Um, still a, definitely a good watch. Definitely, if you're going down, you know, the RCU, definitely give it a give it a gander. But it's no, it's no, um, it's no notebook, I guess, in terms of his involvement. Yeah, well, I would argue some of the better portions of that movie are when he's on screen. <laughs> Oh yeah, he definitely does like a wonderful, wonderful job. Yeah. Uh, one last thing I wanted to flag is 
Another th thing of, oh, maybe I should have tried to find the ceremony for this one. But the presenters for Best Kiss were Adam Sandler, Andy Samberg, and Leighton Meester? So, oh. I assume it was to promote That's My Boy, which they're all <laughs> in. <laughs> that would make sense. Well, it's like, what what kind of, what chick were they doing? <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could know. I'm uh, From my research, it seems like everything pre-2015 has been lost to the annals of history. Um, like, I've tried my darndest to find some, just because there were some, like, even after we've recorded podcast episodes, there's still, like, I still sometimes have burning questions of, like, which kiss it actually was, and I, everything pre-2015 is just completely wiped. I can't find anything. Oh, well, at least we have 2015 to look forward to, but... Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, we might as well get into it. Um, best kiss. Yeah. So, for best kiss. Yeah, so for best kiss 2012, the nominees are Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, Crazy Stupid Love, Emma Watson and Rupert Grint, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part Two, Jennifer Lawrence and Josh Hutcherson, The Hunger Games. Channing Tatum and Rachel McAdams, The Vow, and the winner for the fourth and final time, Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson, The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn, Part 1. So he, he imprints on a baby. <laughs> like, I just like, I, I and like so this movie it like this movie only strengthened my feelings from the previous one where like on paper like jacob is like the more rational reasonable choice like becoming a vampire is such a big commitment you're so much of your life is going to change but like jacob is so awful and edward is like oh a big pet peeve early on in this movie when like he was like talking to like Bella about um like about how he used to like hunt humans but like he only hunted like thieves and sexual assaulters like come on your character's allowed to have flaws that aren't like the sexiest most noble flaws ever yeah make more protagonists murderers <laughs> exactly <laughs> I think, because, like, it's just, <laughs> like, at this point, there can be no more Team Jacob people. There just can't be. I <laughs> I would hope not. Like, I get the other movie. Like, it's so weird. And, like, ah, uh, what a strange movie. It's It's a wedding movie, and then it's a pregnancy movie. It's so, I definitely thought as these movies went on, they would become like less and less like fan fiction. I didn't expect them like right at the end to swerve right it back into those kinds of tropes. You weren't expecting just a lengthy sequence about like the horror of bearing like a vampire baby like <laughs> i was not i was not expecting that at all um also what are your thoughts 
on the werewolves talking while in wolf form? Um, it's silly, but I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> it definitely, like, it's really, really tough. Because, like, it's so funny and ridiculous. Um, but it also, like, ah, I feel like it would be... If this was, like, a serious movie, you know, that wanted to be, like, unironically, like, amazing, they shouldn't have talked. It should have just been, like, growling at each other, and you would have to, like, read the situation by, like, the animation of, like, the wolves. Um, but the fact that they talk and, like, they're pretty normal voices just kind of yelling at each other, like, trying, like, 50% to sound sort of feral is hilarious. <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'd be against it if it wasn't as, like, crazy as it was, like, in practice. <laughs> exactly. It's one of those things where, on paper, this sounds like this. Like, why would you do that? Like, that's such a stupid idea. But in practice, it's amazing. I would never want to change it. Yeah. I guess we should... See, if you've never seen a Twilight film and are like, wait, what's imprinting? Um, we could explain. So... This film is largely about, yeah, Edward and Bella getting married and then having a lot of sex on their honeymoon. And then Bella gets pregnant with a baby that is killing her from the inside because she is human. And the only way to save her really is to turn her into a vampire, but to do so would violate the big werewolf pact. So... It's bringing kind of that conflict to a head, but the big way they're able to, um, yeah, not get into a fight is though Jacob wants to, like, kill Edward and stuff, because, oh yeah, because at a certain point it looks like Bella has died in the thing, but he ins- he instead sees the daughter and does a thing called imprinting, which is this werewolf thing in it where uh, I can't, I can't. Brandon, you just it, watch this. Yeah, it's it's like I, they talk about it in the previous movies. It's sort of just like the concept of like I guess like true love, but for werewolves. Um, I the the rules upon like like being imprinted on people. Um, it sort of it just means that you kind of fall in love with them and there's like an unbreakable bond there um, to the point where like uh, earlier in the movie um, Edward's sis or sorry Jacob's uh, sister is like so not really she kind of hates the person she's with right now but because they're imprinted they have this bond that can't be broken unless she imprints on someone else so like it's this sort of like magical bond bond between people um and i it's it's sort of weird it's sort of like in the air of whether it's like a choice you make or like it's something that actively happens to you um it's it's really strange yeah. <laughs> it's it's sort of like it sort of he takes falls like, in love with a baby like yeah it, it's a rapidly a baby. aging baby like yeah they, they set this up, but it's weird. <laughs> it's re it's really weird because yeah, of course, because like you know that, but like I don't know that she's gonna rapidly age. So the movie just ends with from from the context clues from someone who hasn't seen uh, part two. 
the movie ends with Jacob falling in love with a baby. That's how the movie ends. Yeah. And because, of course, the werewolf's most absolute law is to not harm anyone who's been imprinted. This resolves all the conflict between them and the vampires. Yeah, it's just like, it's, oh man, like, this movie has such a, it's both the most simple world ever, but it's also the most complicated one. Like, it really is just like vampires and werewolves. And, like, humans are sometimes around. Like, humans are so rarely in these movies almost ever, especially now. Um, I think her, like, friends showed up to the wedding for, like, one scene, and then Bella's dad shows up. But, like, this movie is mostly werewolves and vampires. And, like, there's so far, there has been, like, one flashback talking about sort of where their animosity towards each other comes from um and like there's not been much past that yeah it's it's really something where it's like they don't explain it that much and you know they're like oh vampires and werewolves they probably want to fight all the time right like it's yeah exactly like they're they're natural enemies you know But yeah, this is like a little point because yeah, I, I think Anna Kendrick gets a one scene at like the wedding with the other like friends who kind of just fall to the side and then they're done and then like her yeah yeah her dad gets a bit more like there's a bit of a thing because all the signs like wait where'd my daughter go after she got married like what's going on here but like yeah also um this might come up in like the next movie but like is he like having an affair with like his friend's wife? Am I mi- like? I'm just. Really I con- don't think that comes up. Oh, but are you? Because si- it's like the one weird like tension at the wedding where like he offers her a drink and then the the his friend who's in like the wheelchair is like she's okay or like he does like something and then like she's in his house when he's calling. But if that doesn't come up in the second movie, maybe, <laughs> you know what? This gets a pass because that's probably something in the book. I could probably wager that there's a, there's something in the book about that, and that's why they have it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I really don't know if the book cares about like her dad that much. They're all fr- from like Bella's perspective. But... Oh, I guess it's just it's a weird detail. Like <laughs> that's gonna. I apparently, hopefully, yeah. Oh, maybe it'll have some payoff. Maybe there'll be like small scenes. Yeah. Maybe they were setting up for a spinoff. Just... <laughs> I, I would watch a spinoff with the dad. Yeah, Charlie Charlie Swan like Forks PD. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and then yeah, this movie sort of like end ends with a like mid credit stinger of like the council. Um, so like I assume they're gonna come up in the next movie. They're probably gonna be the main antagonists. Um, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, so yeah, this movie's kisses. There's like a cavalcade of kisses. There's like a kiss um, in the water at the beach. There's like a kiss like in the bed. There's like a kiss she has like in a dream. There's a kiss they have after she wins at chess. There's a kiss they have under a waterfall. There's so many. Um, Which one do you think is like the main one? Um... I mean, 
Do like he said the wedding? That could be it. Like it's... I I don't think they do. Interesting. Um, I'm trying to remember if. Hmm. Um, yeah, because yeah, like, um, because like I don't. I remember because I think I was like I was trying to like parse it out because I make sure to make a note of, um, every time that they do. But like I don't actually think they have like a wedding kiss. It, yeah, it could be oh. the one where they're in like the sea. That's pretty like memorable. It's yeah. Oh, there actually might be a wedding kiss. Um, either way, like I that one kind of took a backseat to all the honeymoon kisses. Yeah, I'm gonna assume it's the one where they're in the water because that looks like the most eventful. Yeah, but they they do have like a wedding kiss, and it's yeah, definitely this one feels the closest to like the first one um because i feel like it got a little bit of its identity back in small ways like this one was definitely like a lot weirder and it had like little it had like at least one little homage to the first one um when edward is like doing like the research about like the baby and it like it's almost mirrors exactly like how what bella did in the first movie when she was like searching up vampires like it's shot like the same way yeah, everything's coming full circle now. Um, it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll see. Uh, we didn't get into it. Did you like this movie? <laughs> oh, I did. I loved this movie. Um, I think wow. it's honestly, it it sort of built upon everything I really liked about Eclipse. Um, no, I, I adored this one. This one was uh, amazing. It was like super, it was super compelling. Um, I definitely, like... It didn't really feel like there. There was always like something like happening and something like in the background to like move things forward. It never felt like anything was like neandering. Not that neandering's bad. Like a lot of eclipse is like kind of neandering and waiting for something to happen, and that's not horrible. Um, but this movie, like always, like once she's pregnant, like that's like half the movie, and it's like very intense and like scary. Um, it's li- it's a literal bubble about to burst. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of my I- issue with this one now. It's like the pregnancy stuff gets like so like in just how like intense it gets. And it's, yeah, yeah, it's and, it's really weird how like yeah, it's like yeah. The first part of this is they them having sexy honeymoon times, and then we watch her like get in a near death situation for an hour. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah. Also, like the small thing bugged me. Um, I don't know when you last saw it, but I saw it like today. Um, uh, one thing that like kind of bugged me a little bit is that when they're like feeding her blood, right? Mm-hmm. When Edward throws away the blood bag, like there's still so much blood left in it. Like <laughs> you think they'd be scraping those things dry. And like, I get like the purpose of the scene is like, he throws out the thing and you notice that there's like, a bunch of bags like she's drinking so much blood i get why it's there but like you'd think that they'd be like grabbing like a like one of those like spatulas for like for like doing like uh for like applying like icing on cake and like getting everything out of there <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it does seem like a bit of an oversight maybe they're like well what are we going to do with this blood now like where yeah exactly and like yeah I, I definitely was like, well, they're not going to drink it because then, like, they don't want to drink human blood, even if it's, like, not from a human, because, like, that's going to be, that's going to, it's going to trigger something in them. They definitely don't want to do that. Um, I also appreciate that this movie does, like, 
sort of have like an in-universe really concrete explanation of like the difference between like sucking someone's blood and eating them versus like what it takes to like turn someone into a vampire because like whenever i'm watching like vampire fiction i feel like that's always something that like it's the distinction between the two either like doesn't exist or is like pretty inconsistent and like i don't understand but i'm i'm glad this one like has like a pretty pretty solid line about like like injecting their venom into people yeah it knows uh, yeah it knows its rules it's... exactly you know yeah, i i may not agree with all the vampire rules but it sticks to their guns yeah so again as we said this is kind of the last official twilight film to get nominated and you know there's a few i think there's a few stuff like as we said it the Twilight films weren't winning as much, so maybe they thought it was the end. Maybe they were just kind of getting tired after all, all of them. And I, But, like, another thing I want to throw down, because this gets to the acceptance speech, is Kristen Stewart, um, Robert, Robert Pattinson was not there, so it's just her by herself. And she's up on stage going, oh, I guess I need someone to kiss, right? Just like, Rob's not there. And then she's like, oh, Taylor? Taylor? And then she's like, oh, how about, like, some of my, like, huntsman people? She's like, Chris? You know, Charlize, calling for, like, her Snow White and the Huntsman co-stars, which reminded me, maybe another reason why the Twilight films weren't nominated is because about a month after this, it is, yeah, that is when it kind of broke that Kristen Stewart and the director of Snow White and the Huntsman were having an affair. Um, Oh, Jesus. (laughs) And while, like, she and Pattinson, it's, they broke up for a time, and then they got back together in 2013, but I think it was after the MTV Movie Awards, so maybe they're like, well, it'll be awkward if they're there. Like, it's... Or... Yeah, exactly, you know? You know, yeah. uh, Django Unchained, you're lucky, okay? That slot would have gone to Twilight had they been together. <laughs> you think that's the one they would have cut? <laughs> <laughs> Not Ted? Just... <laughs> It is just uh, interesting to con- consider that, like, weird. they did not want to do the last one. Like, the, <laughs> you went this far and then you just walk away. It's like, so it's so weird. It's such a weird decision that, like, not even a nom, not even like, and like, it's weird because it's not even like 2013 is a year where they had like, like uh, six. Like, they could have put another one in. Um, I guess maybe it is based off like votes and stuff, and maybe. Maybe the votes were just so so few they didn't even get a nomination, but it's uh it's definitely the strangest of strange decisions. Well, the nominations are determined by like producers. Oh but... yeah, ah, uh, yeah. Which again makes me think that part of it was just them going, no, we we don't want another thing where they win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they 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 uh they silenced they silenced the people. Tisk yeah. Tisk. They... They took it out of their hands. Like, <laughs> Breaking Dawn Part 2 gets one nomination and it's best shirtless performance. And it, it wins. Oh, it yeah. wins. That's, you know what? If anything was going to win, if any category it would get other than best kiss, I'm glad it's being recognized for like what it does best. And I'm glad, I'm glad that Taylor is finally getting some love. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
sorry, we probably should talk about Best Shirtless Performance next year, but I am looking at it now, and it says Seth MacFarlane got nominated for Ted. <laughs> He's shirtless for the whole movie. <laughs> That's just like And he didn't job. even win? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. So do we got anything else to say about Twilight? Or? Um, No, I think it's kind of funny that, like, the real world had, like, an affair, but, like, Twilight's, like, romantic tensions never get that far. It's all, like, taking it, like, holistically, it's pretty almost always obviously Edward. Like, it's, there's, like, if you ever thought it was going to even slightly be Jacob, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're delusional. Like, you're not watching the same movies we are. Um and it's just, it's weird. It makes sense that it's like, it's like a, like, yeah, yeah, young adult novel. Like, it's not going to have, like, the most nuanced, complicated relationships like that of how to make an American quilt. Um, but it, it is kind of neat that the, the real world characters, like the real world actors had more, more drama and juice going on in the relationship realm. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Oh, do you want to say the Bruno Mars thing you discovered about this film? Oh, yeah. I found out. So, like, um, I was watching this earlier today, and, like, I was just letting the credits play because, like, the mid-roll happened, and, like, I was just doing things on my computer. And then the um, the Bruno Mars star song, It Will Rain, started playing. And, like, I've heard this before. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> was this made for Twilight? And it turns out that, according to Bruno Mars, it was. Um, and then um, A Thousand Years played after that, um, which Kenny has told me plays a big role in the next one. So I'm, I'm, uh, that's a very neat thing, honestly. Yeah, you're going to lose your mind over what Breaking Dawn Part 2 does for the credits. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. But no. why would you be watching Breaking Dawn Part 2? Oh, the damn shame. <laughs> yeah, we only no. ever watch movies for this podcast exactly. exactly i would never i would never watch a movie that wasn't on this thing unless it was uh in the theaters in, <laughs> in the theaters like uh what movie did i see recently in the theaters i'm trying to remember what it was i think it. oh wait what would it be it might have been the green knight i don't regret that that was a good one but yeah, um, we could probably move on now to uh, yeah. Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah. So this is a film I was surprised. It's like part of this a, a fair chunk of this film is Steve Carell and Ra- Steve Carell being taught by Ryan Gosling how to essentially work as a pickup artist, which is normally something I would be opposed to as like um in like a movie just because you know, pickup artists suck, respect women, all that jazz. But somehow, it's one of the most, like, engaging, like, funny parts of the film. Like, it's... Yeah, it's, like, it's really, really nice. And, like, I... Oh, man, I kind of wished, kind of um, going into, like, this movie, or not going into it, but, like, halfway through, I kind of wished that, like, the roles were going to be reversed. Um, and that didn't actually end up happening. Interesting things did happen instead of that. But I, I was kind of like half hoping that like partway through this movie, Steve Carell would have to te- have to teach Ryan Gosling like how like a meaningful relationship works. 
um, and sort of like a, a sort of a like reflection of what the earlier parts of the movie were. Yeah, that would have been good. Um, but this movie does do like other like I'm not disappointed with what it did. That's just like another idea they could have done. I don't like that because it is true. There's a point where Ryan Gosling just kind of disappears for a while, and it does become a part because it's like, oh, you you disappeared. It's like, well, yeah, no, I got in a relationship, and <laughs> would have made it more ironic, like if he had been helping him. Yeah, and there's like a scene, like before he kind of goes away for a little while, where like it's doing like slow fades to everybody. It does a slow fade to him for like a second. Where he just is eating cereal and then it fades away. <laughs> I found that hilarious. <laughs> it was like for no reason because it was like it was like I think it was um, like after um, Steve Carell like sneaks into their garden for the first time, um, and then it like kind of like shows him like back at his like his apartment, and then it like fades to like his um, his like ex his I don't know, I don't think they even get divorced at all in this movie, but like his. Um, uh, 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 Ju- uh, Julianne Moore, or uh, Julianne Moore, yeah, Julianne Moore, best um, best kiss nominee, Julianne Moore. Remember <laughs> Annabelle? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but there's just like a scene where it like fades to like him and like his apartment looking sad and like her like eating ice cream with the kids and then just like a really weird like wide shot of Brian Gosling in a dark room eating cereal <laughs> and then he like doesn't show up for a good chunk of the movie after that yeah I don't I don't know what the point of it was at all but it stayed in my mind till the end of the movie something that's interesting this film was written by Dan Fogelman who like went on to well he He's done a, he did a few things, like, has written a few movies, created a few TV shows, including a popular drama, This Is Us, which uses essentially the exact same twist in this movie, in this, like, first episode. Oh, neat. Wait, which twist? Uh, where it turns out that, like, yeah, when it turns out that, like, Emma Stone's related to them. Oh, yeah, I... Oh, that was like a twisty twist. <laughs> yeah, because the pitch of the pilot of This Is Us is, look at all these people who have the same birthday. And then the <laughs> reveal is that they're like triplets, except one of them is like adopted because it's, yeah, because like he's bl- he's black. That's how, that's sort of like misdirected. And then one of the storyline, oh yeah, it's like three of the characters are you might know that a couple are, like, twins up front. You just don't know the other guy. Oh, yeah, I think you... It's, like, twins. They're their brother. And then they're... And then the other one is revealed to be kind of their parents. And that's actually happening in the past. Oh. Dan Fogelman, also the writer of Fred Claus. <laughs> oh, that's amazing, too. Wait, is yeah. Fred Claus... Is that, like... It's, like, the skinny... It's, like, an animated one? No, no, that's where Vince Vaughn is Santa's brother, Fred. <laughs> it has the most 
what I would argue one of the most perfect opening sequences that perfectly establishes this thing of like how how it would feel if your brother was literally like Santa Claus and just saintly and this kind of like resentment and how he doesn't really get him. And then it just becomes this wacky film about like Fred Claus having to travel to like the North Pole for some reason. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and it gets a bit more uneven after that. Um, Kevin Spacey is in it as an efficiency expert who comes to, like, assess the North Pole, but they never explain who he's working for. He's just... Um, but this is not about Fred Claus. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> also, like, um, despite uh, Twilight ending with a a werewolf imprinting on a baby, um, not the most age-inappropriate ending we've gotten out of all these movies. Because <laughs> this, movie, right. this movie ends with a 17-year-old giving a 13-year-old a nude photo of them. And like, yeah, I, it's so weird how this movie and and the vow both sort of run with the theme of like the concept of like true love, and that like no matter sort of what like if two people like really love each other, things will like work out despite everything. And it's weird because like I don't really like the way that this movie handles it. Um, I like the way the vow handles it. Um, I yeah, I'm gonna say the yeah. whole subplot with the kid sucks. Yeah. He's like comes on way too strong, and then in the end, he's like, "I now realize I've come on too strong, and I should stop pursuing you." And she's like, "Well, here's something to get you through high school," and it's just a nude photo. Like, it's so ah, it's just weird. It's just and like on top of that, though, like that aside, I'm not. Maybe it is my bias, because, like, I much prefer stories about, like, characters that sort of move on from these kinds of things. And it's just kind of weird having a movie that essentially its message is that, like, hey, if you just, like, try hard enough, things will always, like, work out that way. And it's just, I just, I don't, like, that message you need to be so particular about. Um, in a way that I feel like The Vow is, but, like, this one really isn't. It's just, it's a really weird, it's a really weirdly conveyed message. And, like, this is also is, like, a comedy. So, like, I get that entirely. Um, but I just, like, I don't know how I feel <laughs> about the way that this movie goes uh, about it. Yeah, it. What are you talking with, like, the implication that Steve Carell and Julianne Moore are going to get back together, or, yeah. like, the kid stuff? Um, yeah. A little bit of both. They sort of both play into each other. The kid stuff is definitely, it's more inappropriate, and it's less inappropriate in, in weird ways. Where, like, it makes sense that, like, they're kids, you know? Like, it's not like, they, they're stupid, they're, like, not super informed. And then, like, but what they do is, like, way more aggressive and inappropriate at times. Whereas, like, what happens with, um uh julianne moore and steve carell is like way more tame but it also is like kind of uh, like they clearly something happened that they sort of fell out of love with each other you know to the point where julianne moore like cheated on steve carell um 
and I guess it's not impossible that like people like that could end up together. And like I think I don't. I'm pretty sure there's even um, to bring it up for the second time in this this episode. I think there even is a relationship similar to that in in to make an American quilt. Um, where like I think like even if that happens, it's like okay to like forgive someone for that. But it seems like <laughs> it seems like Steve Carell is like fighting uphill for like something he probably shouldn't be fighting for. It's just very very strange. <laughs> Yeah, I'll say the ending, like, it's ambiguous enough that, like, I don't have an issue with it, because it's not like they're saying, I know, they're back together, it's it's even just saying, well, now I can, like, move forward to whatever thing, or at least be, like, friends again, even uh-huh. even though he doesn't, like, weirdly crash his son's weird graduation speech, which I feel is, yeah, that's just an odd, I mean, it is funny when Superl comes up there, and he's like, um, it's like, I don't want to... It's like... Where he's just like, yeah, my kid's speech sucked. Like, I, I didn't hear the end of it, but I think we all knew where it was going, and it was just bad. Like, <laughs> that's that's really funny, yeah. See, Pharrell, I think, is really good in this. Like, Yeah, he, he is, like, he is the comedic center of this movie entirely. Yeah. Like, he hasn't had, like, a great... I mean the greatest track record post leaving the office it's been kind of hit or miss but i think this is definitely one of the things that like hits like it's yeah he does good playing like kind of sad sack middle-aged guy who kind of fall who just falls into the world like it made me think i'm like man secret and ryan gosling should do something together like again just some comedy thing some kind of big short or something Oh right, I forgot they did Big Short together. But <laughs> yeah, but no, I definitely think that they like they're really like they are like really really like they have a good like chemistry and dynamics between them. Yeah, like the idea that but spoke kind of thing where like Ryan Gosling just treats him like he's an idiot for not understanding this stuff, even though Cyril's like, isn't this kind of creepy and weird for like a lot of it? And just. That's all, yeah. <laughs> That's all good. Or, like, when Seafrail's just being earnest and Ryan Gosling's just rolling his eyes, or he's like, oh, come on! Like, it's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, like, that's why I kind of... I kind of wish this movie took that, like... You know, if I were to put on my, uh... My I'm gonna, I'm gonna remake this movie cap, um, definitely, like, cut out all the stuff with the sun. Um, like, and then replace that with, like, Ryan Gosling, like, not knowing how to handle a relationship like he's in right now. Um, and, like, cr- having to turn to Steve Carell in, like, how do you, like, do something like this. It's it's kind of weird that, like, Ryan Gosling is, like, actually, like, perfectly fine with, like, a more, like, committed, like, relationship like that. Like, pretty fast. Like, I don't think there's, like, much conflict he has, honestly. Yeah, and... At the very least, we give Emma Stone more stuff to do, because that's something I forgot about, is that after, like, that initial encounter with Ryan Gosling, and then she goes off, she, like, disappears for a long stretch because she's just yeah. off, like, going to, like, law school or whatever. She, yeah, like... and then she doesn't come back until, like, the titular kiss, which is, like, a really good kiss. Like, yeah. oh my, it's, like, it's, it's, it's wet, um... 
it's uh it's like it's like passionate she like kind of storms in from the rain because they like flirted with each other earlier but like she's sort of like partially committed to like another guy she's going to like law school with yeah and then she spends all her time on like law school and also like it's ryan gosling like he's playing a player he's he's someone like she sees right through his little routines and then she graduates law school and the guy josh groban like I think he proposed it's like he he gives something and she does not want it yeah it, it's no. instead of a proposal it's like hey you can come work at like our firm pretty much oh right yeah. that's what right that's what it's it's the classic i'm expecting a proposal and then it's something else and yeah so she storms it. off and then like this leads into like a scene where like they're sort of like hot and bothered in like his apartment but like she's like really nervous because like that was like a lot and then they do like the dirty dancing lift um yeah and then they just end up like talking for like a really long time and like having like really nice moments with each other for like the rest of the night i'll say the scene is effective like since there isn't a ton with it like it is effective for showing like how they fall for each other and why you could why he could like maybe change so quickly um though i also appreciate that later on when c finds out about it he's like it's like, what? No, what the hell? No, you're not dating my daughter. I know you. You taught me all this shit. Like, <laughs> no, that's really, really good. <laughs> yeah. No, and then no. he's like, and then he's like, yeah, he's like, you change, fine, whatever. I know you. Like, that doesn't matter. Like, it's, it's like, you've, I'm not going to be okay with this. Just <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll say the dirty dancing scene was something where I'm like, man... I'd like to be lifted by Dirty Dancing one day. (laughs) (laughs) And then years later, at some kind of like dance-off in a thing, I approached my friend Ben. Um, I don't know why I'm not pretending it's not you. I think I've said this before, but literally, yeah, Crazy Stupid Love is a thing that leads to me going. I'm like, like, wait, if I ran at you, could you lift me like Dirty Dancing? And you going, yeah, I think I could. And I was like doing it. Um, in my mind, it was flawlessly with, like, no practice and our yeah. nurse friend getting mad at us for some reason. <laughs> Listen, it's like, like, you can't... It's just a kind of dangerous Listen, dance move we've never practiced on hard floor. It's, like, called, it's called dirty dancing, not clean and perfect dancing. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you want that danger to it. Exactly. Listen... We're crazy and stupid, you know? You know, what What can you yeah. expect from us? <laughs> crazy, stupid? Love? Just... <laughs> <laughs> Under my notes, I definitely have this section just called Crazy Stupid. Because that would be a very funny name for a movie. <laughs> yeah, like cra- Crazy Love? I think that's the title. Stupid oh, Love, yeah. Crazy Stupid. stupid. <laughs> there might be something there. Yeah, um, um, yeah. I don't have much else to say about Crazy Stupid Love. Like the yeah, the kiss was amazing. Like definitely like a huge standout. The movie's message is like, I definitely have like a personal bias because like I much prefer stories about like moving on than stories about like true love conquers all. Um, but it can be done well, and I'll get into that more when we talk about like the vow. Um, but like. I just didn't super like it in this one, but I did like the movie. Yeah. 
I'll say this film kind of reminded me of like Love Actually and Valentine's Day, but with less going on. Like, I think that's why the kid narrative isn't there and the yeah. like babysitter subplot. Yeah, exactly. I definitely but, like Valentine's Day more, but <laughs> um, I, I mean, I like this more than Valentine's Day. Also, the last thing I want to notice a lot of, yeah, this is actually like a high concentration of people who are either current past Best Kiss nominees or. Actually, I don't think Be- Kevin Bacon actually got nominated for Best Kiss. He was just in one of the movies. Yeah, I don't think but he Emma's, been, no. But Emma Stone will get nominated again, and Marissa Tomei, of course, from uh, way back... Whatever that Heart movie was, she was in with Christian Slater. Reckless Heart? Like, uh... Oh, what is that one? You're so right. Um... Oh, one second. I'm looking. Um, We've done so many of these episodes we have done, now. There's been so many. Was it, how early this on was it? Untamed Heart. Yeah. Untamed Heart. What was it? Wait, what was that even about? Untamed Heart. He had a baboon heart? He was kind of a stalker? <laughs> <laughs> he died? I <laughs> he had a baboon heart. Uh... <laughs> Good advertising for the early episodes of our podcast. For anyone who's never heard the ones where they were just an hour long and we would be on to like the fourth movie by now. Um, uh, yeah, before the pre-Twilight Era episodes. <laughs> but yeah. The pre-bounce uh, pre ones. I don't know. Uh, Jack broke yeah, us. Like, <laughs> definitely. Um Oh, I don't know. I don't think. Yeah, you, last episode. I know you listened to the end, but I know. I think partway through, I said "bound" when I meant "bounce," so I had to like add like an edit in after. Um, <laughs> All right, because we've covered both of those. Yeah, we've covered both of them, and like one of them is like really good, and then the other one's "bounce." <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, we can probably move on to Harry Potter. Yeah. Um personal bias check i'm but when i was watching this movie i was pretty harry pottered out um this is like off the backs of watching um like uh half-blood prince and deathly hollow like within like the same couple days um from from last week's episode but i will say that this movie um whereas deathly hollow is part one like has like a couple like locations but like not a lot happens this movie has like a lot of set pieces and like a lot of locations and like nothing super deep happens but a lot of like cool flashy things happen yeah um like in the first 40 minutes we definitely go to like four or five different settings and then it's a lot of cool castle fight stuff like yeah exactly like i would i feel like if i were to rewatch both these movies i feel like the stuff with like um harry and hermione and ron like in the woods like probably had a lot more emotionally and like um metaphorically figuratively going on and like more like um, meaningful stuff going on than like a dragon exploding a bank, um, but this movie just had like so much stuff happen. There's like the giant wizard fight. Harry dies for a second, and goes to like wizard heaven for a moment. Um, Dumbledore's brother. <laughs> yeah, Dumbledore's brother. 
<laughs> shows up like he he hadn't showed up before, right? Like that's that's like the first... no. It's... <laughs> he... He's like an in the books. It's kind of mentioned. It's like oh, first you're like oh yeah, Dumbledore's like yeah, my brother Aberforth, and then I think it's revealed oh oh yeah, he's like the bartender at this bar, Hog's Head, but then. The movie, like, which also, again, I think I mentioned this last episode, but the book has a whole lot of stuff, like, you know, in part one, when they're looking at, oh man, is this tell all about Dumbledore? The book actually goes into a lot of, like, what's actually in there, and Dumbledore's backstory, and the idea that, no, he wasn't this perfect mentor, he was, like, this flawed human being who was, like, in the pursuit of power and stuff, which this film, like, barely touches on, and they put a lot of it in, like, that Aberfort thing, when, like, he sends the, like, the little portrait girl away, and then Hermione's like, that's your sister, isn't it? Just yeah, as if this was something that the audiences would know if they hadn't read the books. Yeah, it's definitely, like, oh, man, it feels like, it feels like between the two movies, I feel like the, like, pacing probably could have been, like, spread out a little better. Um, like, I feel like if you were to, um cut out a lot of like the neandering a little bit in part one and then maybe cut out like a couple of like the big actiony sort of i don't want to say mindless in like a negative connotation but like sort of like the big over-the-top action stuff in this one and then like sort of focus that time on like setting up stuff i feel like we there could have been like a really a really really like great movie whereas these two are both kind of good movies yeah i'll say for the most part like again that they're good like it's definitely explaining the two films allowed them to cover more stuff from the books and which i think you know some people like the the only kind of and i guess i understand why they make it but it's i had forgot that they made this choice and it's weird is you know how a lot of like the last fight is partly harry go running around the castle with voldemort and partly like Ron, Hermione, and Neville trying to kill a snake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in the book, like, Neville gets his big scene where he stands up to Voldemort. Yeah. And he gets to kill the snake, and then Harry reveals he's alive. Like, I think that would have been a lot... Yeah, that would have been a way better way to use your time. I don't know why they didn't do that. Yeah, because um, they give him the big moment, but Voldemort doesn't even do anything to no. him. Harry just pops and up, like, he's like, I'm alive! And he still kills the snake in, like, a big moment later. I don't know why that could have yeah. just been... And, like, the weird thing is, is that he still he kills the snake with the sword that he reveals he has during his big speech. He could have just done it then. That's so... That's what a weird change. Well, I'm, he had to... Well, the sword is, it's like a weird magic rule where they're like, oh yeah, it appears to any true Gryffindor who deserves it. But yeah, he like should have had, because I think you see the sword materialize, but yeah, it should have just been during like the speech. And yeah. the only reason I can think it's there is because in the book, it's Harry and Voldemort don't run around the castle. They get into like one last duel in front of everyone and it goes quick. So they're like, well, we have to extend this, but then we have to come up with some drama over if Voldemort's going to die or not. Yeah, I, I yeah. guess I see that. Um, yeah, I guess yeah. Also, like the kiss is pretty good. It's a little out of nowhere. It's very much like if you took it out, it wouldn't matter. Um, it's sort of after Hermione and Ron destroy one of the Horcruxes. 
it causes like a big like tidal wave to like splash into them and then like they both kiss after that it's like kind of nice it's not bad it's just like kind of like weird and out of nowhere um oh uh, yeah it's a good kiss though also like it's if when you've read like the books and seen for this stuff like ron and hermione was a real big slow burn and though i'll admit i initially had missed when the when the first time i read that book which i got, got into last week i was like trying so hard to like read it that i skipped past that paragraph somehow and like didn't find it and they're like oh man it's crazy and by the end i'm like oh okay so they got married sometime off screen and then like everyone's were like oh yeah it's cool they finally kiss i'm like there was a kiss and i had to like go back and read like through that part and go <laughs> Oh yeah, I just skipped this entire paragraph somehow. Just because <laughs> oh. it is kind of like sudden, and it is roughly at like the same point. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, there's not a whole lot to say about this one. Um, yeah. The ending is really sweet. It's like a nice little. Uh, it's a nice little capper. Um, you know, I. It was. It was pretty fun. Um, did you think anyone looked weird in old age makeup? Because I know this film got a lot of slack for that. Um, they all looked kind of silly, but to be fair, and no one wants to admit this, they kind of look silly when they're young, too. Like, <laughs> take it for a second. Imagine that these aren't the stars of Harry Potter, but they're the star of some weird British television that your grandmother watches. They look, they just kind of look like weird guys sometimes. So like the old versions of them would just look like weird people. <laughs> like, I I think they look fine. I think they just look like old versions of themselves. Like, probably not perfectly, but like, there's no way to do that perfect. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I think you know. Um... I think uh, if you're a Harry Potter fan, don't skip out on this one. <laughs> yeah what can go wrong with the harry potter films um oh what else? i'm trying to think i had a couple other quick things oh yeah it is i don't know why they came up with the choice that when the villains die they should all shatter into pieces but it's weird like yeah that is really it's strange. like what spell is like ron's mother doing that's like going to shatter like a woman in like pieces just also like this is like, a, ah, like, the fighting in, like, Doctor Strange is so interesting sometimes. Um, but, like, a lot of the fighting in this is just them using their wands like their guns. <laughs> Which is, like, I get it. It's, like, an entire school. You can't have everybody doing, like, a really interesting thing. I liked when Voldemort was using, like, the cloths, like, tentacles in that one scene where, like, he, like, sort of, like, yeah. that's really cool. But, like, a majority of, like, the background, I guess it is, like, the background stuff, but it just kind of feels like they're using their wands, like, guns. And they're just going, yeah, it's where standardizing pew. magic fights into just little bursts of light yeah. kind of works against the movie. It is. It's, like, I don't know. Maybe I need to watch more movies where people use magic to fights, but like my really my only good like grounding one is Doctor Strange, and like that movie had like a ton of like really fun like creative things to use. Sometimes it wasn't just people like shooting fireballs at each other. I think that does happen, but like yeah. there was other things, you know. Yeah, 
they didn't, they didn't stop. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, and my other thing about this film is I am glad they kept one of the best jokes from the book, which is the point where when they've all gathered in the hallway and McGonagall has chased off Snape and they're there, when the janitor runs in and he's like, students out of fun in the halls. And she's like, they're supposed to be there, you idiot. Like, it's <laughs> a really good joke. <laughs> it's a really good one. I really like that one. Yeah. Oh. It's just, um, yeah. But, yeah. That's about all there is to say on Harry Potter. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm glad uh, after... Blah, blah, blah. Many years, I finally finished all the movies. Um, yeah. Now on to Fantastical Beasts. Um, and where to find them. <laughs> yeah, a franchise that definitely has not run into like any problems at all. Uh, I'm sure it's just as perfect and beloved as all these. <laughs> yeah. Everyone looking forward to Fantastic Beasts and the, the Secrets of Dumbledore. Like, after the next one is... Oh, but I, it's time to move on to the Hunger Games. Yeah. Now I know we we talked about. I think it was off mic last week where you mentioned you're not really a fan of the Hunger Games. I'm like, oh, I'm into these. So, um, I I definitely like enjoy them more. I enjoyed them on this on this uh, on this watch. It's just that like. It's really tough. Because, like, the world is, like, really interesting. But, like, most of the movie isn't, like... Um, I feel like this movie has, like, a really a really big problem with where it decides to spend its time. Because, um, like, there are so many interesting facets of this movie. Like, the districts are really interesting. And, like the the higher upper class like elite bougie things are really interesting but like a majority of this movie's action and like the least interesting part of this movie is the hunger games like like all the people like fighting in like the art i'm assuming artificial or not artificial completely but like the the sort of woodsy like arena that is like the least interesting part about the world because that could just be in anything you could that's just the what is it the the most deadly the what is it the most deadly game like it's just people hunting each other but like it's just not very interesting and that i feel like that's like a lot of the movie but i will yeah. i will admit on this rewatch it wasn't as much of the movie as i remember this movie actually does um uh prove me wrong on those thoughts i had before in that a lot of this movie actually does like show a lot of like cool stuff with like the the bougie world yeah i'll say the action like this i believe this is the hunger games movie where the action is kind of the worst where like you're not sure how much to show and it's like a lot of like cutting away which i think you know helps add in but i i will agree that like the actual death game part of the hunger games is not as fascinating to me as basically everything else the idea the process of we have to we have to like put on this persona and we have to like collect sponsors like all the reality show stuff that like the offer of the hunger gay games like suzanne collins like just kind of added into like to like the sort of deaf game structure that's what's interesting to me because like it's because that's something like that's 
I think recognizable in the world. The idea, yeah. like if you've ever watched Survivor or something, you're like, okay, this person is putting on this persona and like they're playing this game to like get sympathy, and the producers are going, well, here's your villain, here's your hero, here's like the stories you care about. Yeah, and like I wish that yeah, and I wish that that um, I wish that that relationship. I wish I felt that more because like it feels like. It feels like this movie is split into two parts where like part of it is like this, this sort of like this, um, is, I think oligarchy, I think is the right word of like trying to give people a, some hope, but not too much hope. That's a really, I think that's really interesting. Um, but like, yeah. if you, like I would, I would hope to see certain things like maybe there are, um, Maybe there's like a guy who like the maybe there should be like if you you know kill somebody in like a really flashy way, that's like way more important than just killing somebody like it's just it's just it feels like the the you think they should have style points from exactly that would make that would like make so much sense and that would sort of feed some space jam two (laughs) exactly space jam two has a better relationship with its um external world and its internal world being the basketball game this one if this is objectively (laughs) untrue You see what I mean, though, in that, like, it feels like the second the game starts, it just becomes, like, any other Battle Royale story. Like, the, like, it feels like there's not much that, like, the powers that, maybe this shows up later in the later movies that I'm never going to watch. But maybe, like, later on, they sort of do things and they manipulate the game to make it more interesting. Um but I think I think I saw the one after this. Um, don't these movies just Imagine fire. yeah? Don't these movies just turn into like they just escape and then they're on the run from all the stuff? Kind of. Um, yeah. The second yeah. So Catching Fire, the second one. Um, spoilers for anyone who's never read or seen the Hunger Game films. It initially begins with okay, you've won the games and now you go on a victory tour where we parade you to the districts and you look in like the family and friends of the people you killed and like you put on a show and the idea there is and well yeah we'll we'll obviously get into like the Katniss Peta dynamic in it which is something I love there is but the idea is they have to continue the act that they're in love they have to like keep on this this big this lie but is it a lie that like got them out of the Hunger Games together um and then, and that's kind of like the first part, and then it's, in the movie, it's explicitly, like, something the President Snow is doing to get back at them. In the books, it's a little bit more ambiguous, but it's the idea that the Hunger Games, because you, you'll notice this one, they're like, 74 fungo- Hunger Games! And so next year's a 75, and then it becomes the idea of, well, that's a quarter quell. And, oh, every time there's a quarter quell, there's some crazy twists that they came up with years ago. And the twist for this one just so happens to be, you know, it's the celebrity all-star season. Like, all the all the people uh, were, are, like, previous winners of Hunger Games. And because only three people from District 12 has won, that means Katniss is kind of going back no matter what. But 
it ends with she is able to, she is kind of able to break the barrier and then they are elevated out by district 13 which i don't think gets mentioned but it's kind of the lost district everyone assumed was like dead but they actually went underground and then the third book is kind of about like a resistance and the war and it has similar of the things of we all got the crowd on our side where it becomes more of what propaganda can we do to turn people against the capital to get people to like contribute to this fight and then the like actual thing like mocking jay part two or whatever is they go into the capital and you know who are all the military strategists at the capital the guys who like play on the hunger game so look there's a lot of traps and stuff too as they try and get to like the center of it so that's kind of what they do there okay that seems like pretty interesting that seems like if i was forced to watch these movies i wouldn't have a bad time um jennifer lawrence gets to sing again in like one of them okay yeah yeah um yeah i just yeah i think my problem with these these movies still um sort of stands in that i just wish we got more stuff from the other districts which it looks like the later movies do um yeah there's a bit more characters in i'll say part of the thing is the books are written kind of first person from katniss's perspective so you are sort of grounded in with her experiences the entire time and then Something that the movie, I think, doesn't take advantage of enough is that, like, they can get away from that. So, you get scenes like, you know, Woody Harrelson kind of running to the head game maker, like, saying, oh, you have to say they both can win, like, it's going to give people the root for, because he knows that that's what's going to, like, give them an, ed- an edge. Like, all this stuff that, like, you know, you never really find out why they, like, announce that on the, on the book, but it's, I kind of want, like, more of that, like... Yeah, I just, I want more interaction between, like, the the sort of Hunger Games themselves and everything outside of it. Because, like, at the moment, they feel super disconnected. Um, I think she gets, like, some, she gets some, like, fire cream um, from, like, the, from, like, a sponsor. But, like, other than that, there's, like, not a lot of, like, interference um, or, like, anything. Like, it would be, like, kind of interesting if like um because like some of the the children are like very young right it would be kind of interesting that like to because they're so young and like they're pretty cute and adorable that like certain like all the bougie people um like treat them a little better and like give them like a lot of like stuff because like oh they're a cute little kid like whereas like maybe there's some older a little rougher looking people that like get nothing because like nobody likes them and just it feels like that it feels like they don't feel super like connected in that way um and i just wish there was more of that it seems like the 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 later movies that seems like very interesting concepts i like the idea of them being paraded around to the other districts because of course there's going to be animosity there um and the idea of like an all-star sort of like roster hunger game seems really interesting yeah i you, you might be into the the sequels a bit more though like because at the very least it's it's not just oh yeah death game but i i will say yeah the parts of this film i really like enjoy are like the stuff before like when they have to go on tv and when they like get to train like yeah. basically all the little prep stuff they do yeah i i, re- and, I really liked the uh, like the talk show host guy like that's really interesting and like um i like that but like this is like another thing that i have and like this might just be because i've been like spoiled by other types of media um 
I really like the sort of um, the Black Mirror episodes that deal with stuff similar to this. Um, what was the one episode like the? It's like the fifteen million merits. Yeah, yeah, that one. I really like how like unnerving and terrifying all of like the TV stuff feels. Like it just is. It's not overt, but it's very unsettling. Every like ad that they watch and like the game show, like everything about it, just has this this very like sinister artificial like very like it's it's it it creates like a sense of like unnerve without really trying to um and i wish there was like a little more of that with like the talk show stuff um i think it's sort of like it's weird because like i like how like um how fun and like charming it is but i feel like it should i feel like that should feel a little more sinister because it is honestly um well i mean the tension there comes to like a bit more from the idea of will Katniss be able to convince people she's like likable enough, which actually goes into something I will say is I do think Jennifer Lawrence is great in this, and Katniss is like a great character, like Katniss Everdeen herself as someone who, when you were like lamenting how Edward doesn't really have any notable flaws, where Katniss is someone who like is very much. The issue where, like, she's gruff and, like, doesn't care if people like her and the film is very clear to, this is a problem in the Hunger Games where your survival partly depends on convincing people to care about you. Like, Yeah, I I do like that. I like that a lot. Um, Yeah, yeah, no, I... And, like... Yeah. Yeah, and it gives her a good dynamic, I think, with both the more optimistic, you know, Josh Hutcherson, like, PETA, and with... Or, yeah... And then with Woody Harrelson for the, yeah, 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 and then, and who's kind of similar, similarly cynical and, yeah, because he's he's like been through so much already. Like he's 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 done this song and dance before, and that's like there's yeah. very that's it's like he is he is a very good world building tool as well as a character. Um, all of the painting stuff though is really ridiculous. <laughs> Um, I, this is like the one thing, if I could, that I know I would change about this movie that would make it a million times better. Um, I would, I would still leave in all of the scenes where they talk about his painting and then I would, I would never show it. And then when he finally gets to see it, it looks like absolute shit. Like it's horrible. (laughs) like that would be amazing (laughs) i think that would be like such a nice because like it is like really strange that he is like insanely good at painting like i wonder hopefully it comes up later because it just seems like a really weird choice maybe it wasn't meant to translate in the book how it translates into the movie because like in the movie it looks like straight up magic like not only is he painting beautifully, but like there's like texture and like he just and all of this he does so fast. Um, it's really weird. Yeah, I see see what you mean. Where it's like, man, I'll say I don't think the painting come really comes back in the like future films and such. I'll give the movie this though. It does have a good kiss. It has a like, really really good kiss. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's sort of them, like, in a cave after, like, 
being like chased a little bit and like surviving death. I think um, Jennifer Lawrence has just been like stung by like the the genetically modified super wasps, um, and they're sort of like sharing a moment in a uh, in a cave. Oh yeah, the tracker jackers. <laughs> The yeah. names of the creatures are, like, really good. I yeah, think. I really like those, um, too. Um, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I feel like this movie just, like, I don't know. I feel like this movie runs into, like, the same problem that Twilight 1 did, where, like, not only is it a movie that, like, I super, I feel like I don't vibe with a lot, it's also a movie that I have been, like, forced to watch so many times, <laughs> um, <laughs> that like it's like i don't even get to i don't it doesn't even have any like novelty at all there's nothing novel about it even um but it seems like the sequels are great and maybe after i already i finish watching every other movie in existence i will definitely give them a shot yeah it's it's like how like against the sequel sealar um but yeah no i i like these i'll say yeah the hunger game movies I, like, prefer the books. I'm even one of those weirdos who likes the third book, which is controversial to some people, but, like, it's... Yeah. But I I do think the series is interesting. The themes they go are good. Donald Sutherland's a lot of fun as, like, the villain, villain President Snow, and that's one thing. The movie does, like, give Snow more stuff to do than the books do, because in the books, he's not really a character until the second one. And here, it's like he he's... There's a whole thing with him and this head game maker who, again, you don't really spend a lot of time with, but it's a whole subplot there, which, you know, ends with the good thing of, like, the, the him realizing he's locked in a room with the, like, poison berries that they were able to use. Also, the poison berry scene is really good. Like, I think Jennifer Lawrence is really good at selling that idea that she will absolutely eat these berries <laughs> and, like, kill both of them. <laughs> <laughs> no i yeah yeah um yeah no it's really good what? um i like when the little kid like neck gets snapped that was insanely funny whether intentional or not um like rue or the... um it's like the guy who's like his thing is snapping people's necks i think it's right near the beginning um oh okay yeah so not like the so not like the amanda Sandberg character no, okay no, no, yeah it's just it's just so fast and ridiculous. Um, yeah. Okay. I think I don't. Like yeah. It's just like uh, this movie. It's a little. It's a little rough around the edges for me, but I definitely, I definitely see the like seeds of good things, and I'll definitely give the sequels a chance. Well, my work here is done, and we can move on to the vow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the vow is the first movie that I've ever seen where a character uses um, a parking zone as a pickup line. Um, <laughs> that That was something that's of note. Um, this movie, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie, like, a lot. Um, I like movies that, like, I'm sitting and I'm watching and, like, I audibly go, like, damn oh come on like movies that hit me emotionally like that in those ways are like really really amazing um it's also this movie also reveals to me something that like 
has happened a couple times during this list where like I'm not sure if I've seen this movie or rom-coms just kind of all are very like generic and samey um I still really like this movie but it, I that's definitely this isn't like the first movie that this has happened to where like have I seen this before or they're just like a lot of movies that kind of follow these same beats um but yeah uh so like the vow which is probably like the least well-known movie on this year i would say um is about like um a couple um of uh channing tatum and rachel mcadams um like the first like couple minutes of the movie is them just like in love together and then they get into like a car crash where rachel mcadams character like loses her memory like right up until like i think it was like roughly around when she started going to like um like post-secondary like right after high school so she she doesn't remember any of her relationship with channing tatum yeah it's yeah i'll say it's an interesting premise this is a movie that i think when it came out it was in a time where like it was a new nicholas sparks thing every year so i'm always surprised i'm like oh right this isn't a nicholas sparks thing this is actually based on a true story um yeah and then um yeah to sort of i guess to jump around from the the beginning of the movie right to the end i really appreciate or i'm very happy that like the fact that this was based off a true story um it basically forced this movie to have a much better ending than i assume like any other person who's gonna make this type of movie would have made like if this was not based off a true story like you better believe that like the movie would have ended with Rachel McAdams like looking at the vows written on the on the pamphlet and then she would get all of her memory back. Like that's Yeah, it. yeah that, I like that she doesn't get her memory yeah, back. That's like, amazing. It's... And I, I I speak with the utmost confidence after of of being probably one of the world's most resound um Hallmark movie uh christmas callmark movie experts on like how rom-coms go um that like this movie if not if it was completely fiction that's a hundred percent how it would have ended um because that's like a happier ending and that would lead to like a scene that had so much uh gravitas and that would have been like a really powerful scene but i'm glad this movie sort of ends a little more um a little more subtle and a little more tame this movie just sort of ends with them like like starting over yeah it's more interesting like and the idea of them like oh going to a new place instead of one of the places they went to before the idea that yes they can forge something new here yeah like i agree that it's like the most like compelling part of this um yeah a hundred percent and like it's really strange that like this movie has like the same ish message as crazy stupid love but i like that in this movie um like they don't come together because Channing Tatum like doesn't like leave her alone or like keeps trying where like that's sort of the implication at the end of Crazy Stupid Love is that Steve Carell is going to keep trying which is like it works because like clearly um uh she's in yeah that. well no it works because clearly Julianne Moore isn't uncomfortable with that notion at least like through like 
the movie. Like she, she doesn't hate him. Like, and she might even want to get back together with, um, with Steve Carell's character. But like, it's just, it's just a really weird message that like, just doesn't flow well. Where in this one, um, at a certain point in the movie, they split apart for like half a year almost. Um, so like what happens throughout this movie is that like her family sort of like steps in cause like that's all she can remember. Like she doesn't remember anything about her, her life with Channing Tatum or like any of her friends. Um, cause there was a certain point where she like left her family and didn't talk to them for like five years. And like something that's really nice about like the ending of this movie is that like she goes back to like law school um, but she ends up uh, like leaving it to go back to like art school and to go back to the city, which is like a decision that she made pre her accident. So she's just like, just because she had her accident and lost her memories, it doesn't change like who she really was by the end. And that, and that also like goes true for like her and Chatting Tatum's relationship. But like you said, it also has that um, secondary thing of like, we can try something new. Yeah. And I like that, like, you know, it kind of goes back, back into the idea where, you know, it's not like being a lawyer would have been ter- terrible, but it's interesting where she's like, wait, why did I give up on this? This is what I wanted. And then that she, but, but yeah, she can have like the same revelation where she's like, oh, maybe I'm more fulfilled doing this other thing. Like, yeah, I also like the, um, <laughs> I also like the small redemption of like the really shitty band that. Channing Tatum and his friend are like doing and like the record he's like a recording studio guy and like by the end of the movie during like the 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 um the like kind of wrap up when he when Channing Tatum's sort of just monologuing or um doing like an overview narration they're like jamming out and they're doing really well I like that little detail oh yeah that's oh yeah that was good for how the part of his name is like the recording studio and then let her parent Sir, like I always just realized was his ca- character, but remember that going. Oh, it's not really about a lot of money recording studios, huh? Like you can just do that with a computer. Or... Yeah, that was a, <laughs> that's such a weird. Like a lot of this movie feels. I mean, to be yeah. fair, we record this podcast with computers and not in a recording. Yeah, exactly. Studio. But it is just like I feel like like professionals aren't doing that. Like. <laughs> Like, it's just, like, it's just, like, a really weird comment to make. And it, like, it kind of makes sense because, like, there's a lot of friction. There's this, there's this practically a stranger to, like, this family, um, like, saying he's their daughter's, like, husband. But she also has amnesia and doesn't remember anything about their marriage. Like, there's clearly a lot of tension there. So, like, that's why it's said. I'm sure, I'm sure it wasn't a genuine attack against the recording industry. Yeah, yeah. I'll say this movie, like, talking about it, I'm like, hmm, maybe I like this movie more than I thought, because, you know, I thought it was fine, but I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just typical stuff, and then we're talking about all the stuff it's doing well, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's there's some juice here, there's, like, something going on. I'll say, I do like the eventual reveal that he did know the cause of, like, her estrangement from the parents, which is that her dad slept with an old friend of hers. But, like, he did not tell her that. Like, he... Because he didn't want to, like, 
ruin her having another chance at a relationship with them. I thought that was good. Yeah, like, that was like that was really interesting. Um and I and I like that it isn't like this it isn't this like big revelation that like causes her to never talk to her father. Like her and her father like are able like to even have like a pretty good relationship after that even still. Like it's not great but like she doesn't she doesn't completely disavow him. And I, and I also, I kind of like the touch that, like, Channing Tatum, like, knew this, but he didn't want, like, he wanted her to come back to him because he loved, she loved him, not because, like, he revealed this sinister, this possibly sinister motivation. Yeah, like, that, that was good. Um, also, I'm gonna say, counting the number of, like, you know, Shonda Rhimes, like, alums who pop up, Scott Speedman, who plays, like, her ex-boyfriend Jeremy who she kind of saw his feelings for and then he's the jerk he re- he is actually he was a one-off character on Grey's Anatomy but there was apparently such good response to him that they brought him back and now he is a regular so I was like oh hey it's he counts under that fold of Grey's Anatomy people who have appeared in best <laughs> kiss oh just... nice um yeah apparently also like the people that this movie is based off of. Apparently the wife did end up uh, having an affair in 2018. <laughs> um, no, no, it was the husband. Oh, the husband. Wait, the... wait a minute. Which... Yeah, are you... Because no, I, I definitely looked up into this too. Yeah, wait. Something where it's like, they should update... You ha- you sent me a thing <laughs> from this where you're like, oh man, they should update the film to like say who the president <laughs> is now. They also have to update the end to go, the couple did eventually divorce. Yeah. Because that's like years That's That's so weird that the person who didn't have the amnesia had an affair. That's, yeah. that's so weird. But yeah, I guess this, you know what, this movie did a good job in picking and choosing what it, what it decided to keep. Um, I guess, well, I guess when this movie came out, that didn't, that wasn't even a thing. So they were kind of forced to. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They got up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They they should. I assume it. Yeah. Um, there is a scene in this movie where she's like, "Who's the president?" And Chatting Tatum says Obama, and then she goes, "Was it like the senator?" <laughs> it's yeah. It's just like really. It is really funny, but there should be an initiative to update that. Every single time. Also, update the the contract he signs where it says twenty eleven. Um, this movie, there's there's a couple ways to make your movie timeless. This is taking more like the brute force way of making it timeless by literally making it like existing whenever whatever time it is currently. Um, okay, imagine if now I'm just doing a hypothetical, but imagine if like her memory had been reset back. Maybe the character has to be a bit older for this to work. To something where it was like early to, like to like early two thousand or two thousand one, and she's like, "Oh man, I can't wait to see the twin towers the next time I'm in New York." <laughs> <laughs> we haven't brought it up in a few episodes. Yeah, we, We've we get this. one. We get one. <laughs> oh, that is probably one of my uh, what was it it was that's one of my favorite jokes in bojack horseman i think you know the one i'm thinking of where it's like where yeah it's like we're sorry but david copperfield's not a big draw anymore <laughs> that one's so funny oh but yeah no i this movie um it's just really really sweet like i 
I was shocked. I definitely thought this movie was going to be like the worst out of this year. Um, but I ended up like really loving it. Um, like I'll say I remember the marketing for this movie being really intense because this came out near Valentine's Day and it was a huge sort of like, you gotta see this for Valentine's Day. And I remember pointedly not going to see it instead on like the day it came out, uh, well, on Valentine's Day, it had been out for a few days, maybe. Uh, me and some friends went to see the 3D re-release of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Instead, so like, <laughs> you know, the, the two things, you were either seeing The Vow, or you were seeing The Phantom Menace. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't fault you on that. Um we kind of did skip over, but like the kiss is like pretty early on, and it's pretty it's pretty nonchalant. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure like this movie does have like a weird, not a weird. It has like one flashback near the beginning, because um, you sort of have like a pretty short segment of like, or an incredibly short segment where they're like coming out of like a movie in the winter, and then they get into a car crash, and then there's like a bit of a flashback to like how their relationship started. Um, and I think this is where the kiss happens. They sort of meet up, uh, Channing Tatum sort of just notes that like, Hey, like we're both in the same parking zone. I, I think we owe it to like the, the municipal government to like, you know, go on a date <laughs> to something to that effect. Um, but, and then this is sort of leads into where like the kiss happens. And it's just sort of like a nice, like end of date leading into like intercourse type of kiss. Yeah, it's sweet. That's that's the thing. The movie doesn't really have a big kiss at the end, which, again, it's nice. It's refreshing. Yeah, they just sort of end, like, going out on a date because, like, it's also, like, this is a movie that, like, sort of gets to have, like, pretty justified, contrived feeling, um, like, divides with characters. Like, I think you get a situation where you could have both characters be, like, heavily like emotionally aggressive and they're neither one of them is like wrong really um there's not like an obvious like overreactor or like obvious bad guy because like they're both going through something that is like genuinely devastating like like she's she's so confused and like her entire world has been like shaken and then he has sort of lost the person he loves and it's she's but she's still there and there's still like hope and oh the one scene the one oh there's such a good scene where like he's sort of talking to like uh Channing Tatum's like talking to her friend about how they first met and like he's like and sort of he's like given up because like it only took like two weeks for her to fall in love with me and like because it had been two weeks of him trying he knows that like if she wasn't gonna fall in love with him then then like there's he kind of just has to like let her go and like let it be let it be you know and i thought that was like oh that was that was heartbreaking that was one of my aforementioned damn oh come on that was one of those moments yeah that was good i'll say this film did get i remember getting panned by critics and definitely did not deserve it like it's you know it's not saying that's like the best film we cover covered this week but Actually, actually, I'd have to like show my rankings on that. No, I don't think it is. But like, folks, if you've never seen The Vow, give it a try. Um, 
Sorry for telling you pretty much all the important stuff that happened in it. Yeah, listen. Hey, um, that's the risk <laughs> you take. Exactly. Um, yeah, wait like a month after listening to this. Pod. Like, write down, go open your phone notepad right now, write in it, watch the vow, but don't write anything else. And then in like a year, you'll see that and then you'll watch it, you know? <laughs> just don't watch the hbo like series about that sex cult <laughs> or do also called the vow <laughs> actually yeah right watch the vow and if you were meant to watch this film you'll remember the right one exactly it's it's there there could not be a more thematically appropriate way good thing the other vow didn't get a best kiss nomination oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but yeah um I don't have much else to say about The Vow. Um, oh, uh, I guess one more little thing. I, I I enjoy when I'm watching a movie and I I think of like, oh, I wish, I, I kind of like, it's it's a small thing, but like, I, I'm like, oh, I, I hope this scene goes in this direction. But like, when, when they're eating breakfast and he goes, whoa, like, you're vegan, you don't eat bacon. And then like the second he leaves, she like just starts eating the bacon again. That was really nice. Like that was, I that was just cute and fun. Um, yeah, that was a good. Yeah, point. I yeah I yep thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Yeah, and with that, well, let's get into the movie rankings for this week. Um, how do these all stack up? Yeah, um, how they stack up for me? This is going to be uh, a little bit of a. This is like a difficult year. Um, man, I would say at the bottom, unfortunately, despite how much you vouch for it, I'm gonna have to put Hunger Games there. Um, I think I, if I watched all of them, I would probably say that this one would probably be a little higher given like grander context. Um, but unfortunately, I think I'm gonna have to put the Harry Potter movie right above this one. Um, I think the Harry Potter, the Deathly Hollow. Um, I think it was, it's a, it's a bit of, I don't even want to call it like a mess, but it's a bit of a mess. Um, and that just like a lot of like, it, it jumps around a lot and like nothing feels very cohesive. Like no, nothing comes together at the end, if that's like a good way of describing it. Um, things just sort of happen in an order. Like you could put, like you could put, like the dragon bank scene in the middle, you could you could shuffle some of these vents around, and like their meaning wouldn't change at all. Like nothing nothing builds off each other. I guess is a better way of putting that. Um, Sounds like this podcast. <laughs> exactly. It honestly, ah, oh, you know what? Now that I'm saying it out loud, I honestly I think I'm gonna put it below Hunger Games. I think Hunger Games has actually moved up once in in me being able to talk it out. Um, so those, so at the bottom is Harry Potter, above that's Hunger Games. And then above that, uh, Crazy Stupid Love, a very funny movie, like a very nice, um, the the way it portrays its message, I don't super love. Um, and I don't even know, like, I definitely, because I watched this one before The Vow, and I remember I had a little bit more of like a, I had a little bit more of, um, conservative and not like like political leaning conservative i mean like like re i guess like reserving one's judgment of like maybe i just don't like that message in general 
and maybe it did a good job of that message and I just didn't like it. But after the vow, I think I realized, oh, it, I do, I can enjoy that message if it's done really well. Um, and then, so above Crazy Stupid Love, um, it's really, really tough. This is a really, really tough one. Uh, but I think I'm going to have to put um, Twilight and then the vow above Twilight. Um, Twilight was really, really fun. But I don't know, the vow just did it for me. And I, I can't describe why. I think I'm realizing that I'm just a schmaltzy guy, you know? I just love, like, sappy, romantic movies. Yeah, wow. Look at that. Like, it's... Um, yeah, so my rankings look um, pretty different. It's... Uh, I'll get in. Yeah. I got Twilight at the bottom. Like, it's... Yeah, I, I've been upfront about this. I'm not a big fan of this one. Breaking Dawn Part 2? Yeah. This one, like, just... It just doesn't really do much for me. Um, then above that, um, initially it was going to be The Vow, but I think you talking it out actually can convince me that I like The Vow more than I thought. So I'll say Crazy Stupid Love. Um, if Crazy Stupid Love didn't have the kid stuff, it would probably be a good contender for, like, the best movie this year but that kid stuff really brings it down also like we didn't really talk about because it is complete with the kid stuff but the reason the babysitter takes the nudes is because she's going to initially give them to like steve carell which also is like not great <laughs> there's uh, though her dad is a his good dad character is, and when he shows up to like yeah, fight steve carell exactly. it's really Th- that scene is like that scene could have been the most painful and like cringy to watch and it ended up being incredibly fun like props to the movie for that yeah so i'll have that and then the vow above that one um yeah and then harry potter and the deathly hollows part two it's i always say when you're like yeah it's a little haphazard and messy but like um and i'll say there's stuff in this film like I used to be really into the big Snape flashback scene where, like, it's revealed he was in love with the mother the whole time. I totally forgot about and then, that. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, getting older and, like, some distance into the idea where you're like, oh, it's... He was, like, friends with this woman and then he's just kind of, like, mean and evil and now we're supposed to feel bad for him? Or it's like, it's harder to feel sympathetic yeah. towards yeah. Snape. But I... I wish... I, yeah. yeah. The, oh, sorry. Go, go on. <laughs> No, no, what do you oh, wish? Oh, yeah. I just, I, this is like a problem that I don't, a problem I don't have specifically with Harry Potter, but I wish like flashback scenes like that, I wish they were like, because that one is like, it has like the, the like flash transition where it's like all very like quick. I wish they just took their time with it and like had like a really long, like uninterrupted, like don't have like a million different jump cuts. Just have like it's a full chapter in the yeah, book. Yeah, that feels. And I think that does it better. Yeah, there. I think that's a way more appropriate than to have like it done in like. And I guess it makes sense visually, considering Harry Potter is seeing it through like the cauldron. I don't know. Maybe I don't know how like the cauldron works. That he like dips his head in, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe have him, maybe have him drink it instead. So there's like a different visual effect. Just because I feel like the visual effect like clashes so much with what that's trying to convey for me personally. Yeah, agree there. Um, but yeah, and then top H- Hunger Games, like it's 
you know, like, I, I get the thing, too, of, like, it's, man, I'll say, most of these films are just good in quality, but, like, I just got a lot of enjoyment, I think, from, like, Lawrence's performance, all the kind of behind-the-scenes gamesmanship stuff. The actual game stuff, eh, it's fine, like, the scene where she, like, sings the song in the arena, and it starts causing unrest outside from, like, the invested capital citizens, like, really good. So it's just us going, oh, right, I forgot about this scene as I like to stop my films, but yeah, and I think also the di the relationship dynamic with her and Peta, where it's kind of an act, and she doesn't really trust him up until the end, where she's like, oh, I now realize I can trust him, is also really good. Um, and Yeah, but how did the kisses stack up? Yeah, so the kisses, this is another, this is, I think this is two weeks in a row. Um, yeah, the vow kiss is probably the lowest on here. Um, just because it's like, it's it's short, it's sweet, it's pretty understated. And like, I put this best kiss at the bottom um, out of respect for that they didn't have an ending mm-hmm. kiss. Because that's very bold, and I really appreciate that. Um, but unfortunately, this isn't the best absence of a kiss list this is the best kiss list um so above that vow one i would have uh the harry potter one it's just kind of out of nowhere but it's very visually interesting it's just not very like um i don't i don't think the word thematically works here but it's not very like it doesn't it's just kind of on top of everything a pretty early pretty jumbled uh not jumbled but like pretty busy story um and then above that one I think I would, this one, um, I'm putting here mainly because of like the potential it had is like the Hunger Games kiss, um, because it is a good kiss, but they had like a in-universe reason to like shoot it in the most dramatic, like theatrical way possible. And they really, they didn't. Um, so that I'm deducting a little points because there's like, there would be such good potential there that like. This is, like, supposed to be, like, an entertaining thing. It could have been, like, shot a little more interestingly, I guess. But the kiss itself is great. Um, And then I would have to say, this is, like, this is kind of tough. But I would have to put the the crazy stupid love kiss above the Twilight cavalcade of kisses. Um, It's just such a, like, it's a really, really great great like passionate scene that that like um that like is the 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 precursor to like one of the most like sweet like lovely scenes in the movie of like ryan ryan gosling um sorry uh ryan gosling and um emma stone like emma yeah, stone. sorry um <laughs> sorry I, I was i was like i was I, in my head i had julianne moore's name just rattling and i'm like that's not who it is that's not who it is uh, but you remember the guys i name. do i listen i my sexism is very much a top from the top down in that i've been fed a lot of male media in my whole childhood i'll work on it though okay um <laughs> um yeah like it's just, it's amazing. It's, it leads into Dirty Dancing. And then, like, the Twilight ones are really, really good. Um, we do, we can't really, unfortunately, because of the, uh, the lacking of internet archivers, we don't really know which Twilight kiss is the, the kiss. But I think 
cumulatively, um, I would definitely put them like second. Because <laughs> um, like some of them are kind of weak and then some of them are like really good. But I don't think any of them are better than the Crazy Stupid Love Kiss. But I think all of them are better than the Hunger Games Kiss, which is uh, convenient. Yeah. Um, also, my rankings are similar-ish. Maybe identical. We'll, we'll see if I like get creative as we go. Uh, but yeah. The Vow at the Bottom, good movie, like, weirdly weak kiss. Especially since, again, this was sold as a huge Valentine's Day movie, but... You know, I guess relationships are about more than kissing? Hmm. Seems yeah, odd. we're gonna have to cut that out. We're gonna have no. to cut that out of the episode. And then after that, I'm going to say... Yeah, the Harry Potter kiss, I think it's good... I think there's good build-up from it. Like, I'll, I'll say, except for the Vow kiss, this is one where, like, a lot of these kisses I did consider at one point or another. Um, but, you know, something's gotta be fourth. And similarly, something's gotta be third. And for me, that it will be... Um, Twilight. Just, I'll say say this about Twi- Twilight, like, with the exception of the first year, I am no longer, like, furious that it won Best Kiss four times. Like, honestly, in my in my estimation, it, des- it definitely deserved, I think, like, two of those times. And, yeah, and even the other ones I can't really get mad about because this film does have good kisses, but The Hunger Games, sure, it wasn't flourishly shot, but... I thought it was a strong kiss, kind of. Maybe that just, again, goes from Jennifer Lawrence. Like, I just love the character of Katniss so much, and he does fine too, I guess. Josh Hutcherson's best, like, scene is when he's doing the talk show bit where he's like, oh yeah, do I smell like roses? But, you know, it gets the job done. Yeah, he also Um, looks like, he looks like, I thought it, I don't usually look at the names before I watch the movie. Um, like, I remember looking at him, like, from, like, afar, and I was like, that's not Tom Holland, is it? There's no way. No, yeah, too old. <laughs> way too, too old. old. And I was like, is, are they, like, related? I was super confused, but later in the movie. Don't ruin Josh Hutcherson for me. Just <laughs> saying it looks like Tom Holland. <laughs> but... Yeah, Crazy Soup in Love is my number one. Like, it's a really good kiss. Like, well done, Gosling and Stone. Like, it's... Yeah, y- you may not have pulled it out for... Well, we'll get to La La Land in a few years, but for this initial kind of lip-lock collaboration, yeah. you do it. Like, oh, man. I, oh, man, I don't think they're going to win La La Land one either. Um, I think. Because, like... Yeah. <laughs> Much like the Oscars, going up against Moonlight is like makes it it's very, very tough. Very tough. To just go, oh, uh, La La Land, uh, and I love La La Land. But... We definitely aren't going to do a bit where we pretend it's La La Land, but it's actually not. We definitely aren't going to do a bit like that in a couple episodes. <laughs> yeah, we pretend it's La La Land, but then it's Mike and Dave need wedding dates. <laughs> That would be the only reason if we should do that bit if it also wasn't going to be oh, Moonlight. Like, uh, like, oh man, I don't even think La La Land's going to get second. Because um, like us, I guess like small spoilers. Um, I I do I'm doing a little I did a little digging. I'm trying to find like the uh, 
the TV show episodes that have kisses in them. And, like, damn, the Empire kiss is really good. <laughs> like, I haven't seen the episode yet, but I, I watched the kiss, like, on the, the MTV Movie Award, like, pre-roll for it. Ah, oh, it's a good kiss. <laughs> like, ah. Uh, what a tease. And not, not um, shocking from uh, from Hustle and Flow, like, uh, veterans. Like, that was also a really good kiss. But with that, I think we can close the book on Best Kiss 2012. Um, and I guess it's recommendation of the week time. So what do you got this week, Ben? Um, yeah, uh... You know, some of my recommendations are are pretty obscure. Some of them are, are pretty um are pretty common things. But I know I know there's some people out there like me that um never really watch a common thing until someone they trust says it's good. Um so that's why this week I'm gonna be recommending uh Fallout New Vegas. Damn, is that a good game? Do I have to have played Fallout Old Vegas first? <laughs> oh. <laughs> a lot of bits this episode oh, yeah. it's, it's good it's we're goofy today <laughs> so from for me um saturday night live this season has brought in this group please don't destroy they've made internet videos for a few years but i have just discovered them and they're really great uh they did one with rami malik who uh, a lot of, like, recent SNL stuff is region-locked in Canada for a couple years, but some of them, like, they do on tweets. And it's this one that's just like, oh, Rami needs, like, a treat, where he, like, goes into their office and basically he's like, yeah, it's like, you know, I- I've been good this week, and, you know, I think that deserves, like, a treat. And then, like, he has, like, a mouse pad. He's like, well, another treat. They're like, well, we don't really have anything. And he just starts, like, causing havoc. And it's such a simple premise. It's good. There was a viral tweet one that went 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 around twitter like last year where it's basically 50 seconds of one of them like just looking at it and it's like what are you doing it's like oh yeah i'm playing the my new shailene woodley game and it's like a basically the premise is it's a video game where you're just shailene woodley and you go on interviews and practice lines for auditions and stuff <laughs> and it's it doesn't sound maybe as funny when I'm saying it up. It's just a lot of, like, good reactions. And, like, just one person being really baffled and the other one, like, going, yeah. And at one point he's like, you want to play something else? I got Kyle Chandler too, And it's <laughs> just another thing he doesn't explain. Or, like, he, or like, he's like, so they just made something based on Shailene Woodley? It's like, oh, is she a person? I thought it was, like, Mario or Sonic. Like, that does sound pretty good. Yeah, I'm gonna send that one to you after this, actually, Ben. You'll you'll love it. But like, yeah, please don't destroy. Look them up because that's what I'm looking at myself. Um, and now plugs. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You can find me on my Instagram at uh not two pens. That is n o t underscore two underscore p e n s. And then my Twitter uh fut albi uh f u t underscore a l b e E. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at Like a Wolverine. You, I don't have to spell it out. Um, that's my plug. Plugs. You can find the show on Gold Popcorn Pod, or you can email us at pastagoldenpopcorn at gmail dot com. 
Um, tell if you like the show, tell your friends, rate, review, subscribe, all that jazz. Um, yeah, our artwork is by Matt Samard. No, this is the second time I've done that. Our theme <laughs> song is by Matt Samard. Ben does the artwork. Thank you. We're hosted on Friendly Mush, something I always forget to bring up. I'm like, I should bring this up more, but <laughs> it's a cool site with other podcasts that are neat. And next week, we are doing something yeah. different. Yeah, so me and Kenny were talking, and that we think it is a, a absolute crime that Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2 just gets completely erased from the MTV... Um, history uh so we decided that uh in between so next episode so in between the years of 2012 and 2013 um we are going to do a host choice episode where we are going to pick five movies so we have um one sort of locked in pick of breaking or of twilight saga breaking dawn part two and then i picked two uh, movies or tv show kisses and Kenny picked two movie, TV, or show, or kisses. And I'm going to uh, say them now. And then we will decide um, whether Twilight Saga gets to continue its uh, five-in-a-row streak, at least in our hearts. Um, or if something that we picked might have might beat it out, unfortunately. That would be so lame if we do this whole thing just to include it and then it loses anyway. Uh I mean, I picked some pretty heavy I, hitters, not to hype up my own no, stuff. No, I, I definitely, like the, the, at least the, I know the one I, at least one of the ones I picked is like, I'm, I was surprised. Because I, I definitely, I definitely worked backwards from one of them. Because I think originally one of my recommendations was going to be Blue Valentine. Um, but like, the, I, I think the kiss in that one just isn't very good. It's a good movie, but like the kiss is kind of eh. Um, but yeah. Uh, it's going to be a tough, tough week, and I, I, I can't wait to watch some of the the new stuff. Um, we're, pl- I, yeah. I, hopefully we could probably do an episode like this in the future if we ever, if we ever think about um doing one later. If we ever feel like there is a a similar injustice, or we feel like at by the end of this we maybe go back and we do like a a um sort of uh I can't believe we kissed this one, you know, um. The kisses that we misses, something like that. We'll think of a really good pun name for it. But yeah, yeah. I I would like to keep doing this. We're excited for this. It's gonna be our most chaotic <laughs> oh. episode. You're gonna find out why in a minute. <laughs> so, the host choice episode lineup is the Twilight Saga: Breaking Dawn Part Two, 2012, between Kirsten Stewart and Robert Pattinson. The wit, or sorry, Witness, nineteen eighty-five, Harrison Ford and Kelly McGillis. Hell of a Boss, season one, episode six, two thousand twenty-one. Brandon Rogers and Bryce uh, Pickham. Their voices. Their voices. <laughs> I I'm making sure we get some animated reps in this one. Um, across the universe. 2007, Jim Sturgis and Evan Rachel Wood. Shrek Forever After, 2010, Mike Myers and Cameron Diaz. (laughs) 
their voices. <laughs> Guess who picked which? <laughs> uh, if you if people have been listening to this many episodes and haven't realized that I'm the biggest witness fan, given all my subtle hints. <laughs> into why we picked them but witness is a movie where i'm like man this would have got a best kiss oh if, like they've if, been doing this yeah if, if, if it had gone back far enough yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> but yeah um if you're the kind of person that uh watches along um i might even i might add um an addendum to the episode before this one to give people a little bit of time i might add like a little like hey here's a little a little like thing to let you know like we're going to be doing this stuff if you want to give it a watch. Um, yeah. And anyways, until we get to that point, just keep passing that golden popcorn. And, you know, just just remember, unless you got, like, severe amnesia. Does that work as, like, a sentence? <laughs> Probably not. Oh, um, yeah. Just remember... If you're going to imprint on a baby you have to have a really good reason like stopping a cryptozoologist race war that's that's yeah. like within like at least the top five best reasons to imprint on a baby i think it's the only reason <laughs> to imprint upon a baby oh i uh, make sure Goodbye, uh, everyone. I hope this podcast has an imprint on all of you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Hey. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.